Right, this is going to be another episode of Banter Give and Go. Obviously, the season has still yet to arrive, so we are still in somewhat historical mode. But this one will at least be focused more on the current crop of players playing actively. So if you are one of those Zoomers who, even though you do all the time, never admit to me that you didn't watch a certain period of basketball and tell me how good players from the 80s and 90s are, I'm sure what you actually want is just to talk about people you've seen play basketball. So we will indeed do that on this episode. Because what we're going to do is, since we on the past episodes did one where we talked about overrated players, we're going to do one on underrated players. Now, first things first to get it out of the way is just like I talked about with the overrated one. This is actually why everyone got so mad. I told you about that whole fallen thing. Is in my opinion, there's two ways you can do it. Like you either take overrated in the sense, I would say almost of sort of magnitude. So it's the idea that like, if you are actually like a really good player, but then someone says you're the best, in a way you're really overrated aren't you but at the same time you can obviously also have the people who are just utterly terrible but anyone thinks they're good means that they're overrated you know what I mean there's two ways to do it so I imagine we'll have a similar mixed bag for underrated because I actually do think both lenses by the way have their own um place they have their own reasons to be applied because obviously no one does just want to talk about totally obscure like for example if we only talk about by definition the craziest most underrated players they're probably people on the bench who don't actually get to play and then, yeah. therefore you wouldn't even be able to sort of test what we're talking about so there's going to be a few players in here where like i'm going to pick some already spoiler towards the end where you're going to go what the hell that guy's an all nba player or an all-star how could he be underrated it's like but he can be though because if you actually just think he's like just an all-star but i think he's like the best player in the NBA, then he's pretty underrated in, in quite a meaningful context. So let's start out then, Maui. Who are we starting with here? Like, and also, just before you tell, don't tell us all the names, obviously, but just tease us. Do we get obscure here? Are we going into the depths? Are we going more? What's your sort of range of players we're going with if we're talking underrated here? Uh, I've got a, I've got a mix. I've got players that probably. I, th I don't think I have anybody as high up in. Like, I'm not, I'm not picking anybody that's a top. 15 player okay. in, the, in the league actually so i think that's more on your okay. end here yeah. i'm getting guys that are more in what i would consider like the 25th best in the league all the way down to maybe i consider maybe the 70th best oh okay right. that's interesting yeah. by the way i'll also yeah. say as well since we've done past episodes obviously some of those episodes we did talk about people we thought were underrated like spoiler i'm not going to waste anyone's time on rudy gobert or Paul george i think we've exhausted those two examples of the yeah. like just go back to a past episode we did talk probably give me like 10 15 minutes and we did that one so there's a few people we've already done in that regard so i also like we did on the last one i tried to stay away from the ones i think we've already covered essentially even though look it is just a short it's not like the sopranos you don't have to watch every episode but at the same time, like, we're inevitably in the future going to double back on the same convo. So we might as well not do it the first, like, five episodes. So go on, give me your first name then. Who are we starting with? Okay, so one that I think everybody is now fairly familiar with, but I would say didn't get perhaps the credit that he deserved during their championship run. And this is obviously with the angle that I watch more Warriors games than anything else is that I would say Andrew Wiggins in public perception is not up to snuff with how sure. good he actually is. Because during that 2022 season where the Warriors won, I would say that Andrew Wiggins was the second best player on the floor behind Steph Curry. He wasn't actually outputting in terms of points per game higher than Klay Thompson, but in terms of defense, he was much better than Klay Thompson. Andrew Wiggins was the one taking the hard assignments. People like Jason Tatum in the in the finals. He was taking people like Luca in the in the conference finals. He was doing so much work on the defensive end that even though you would sometimes people just value statistical output on the offensive end that's where i feel like people 
frequently do get overrated. And so for Wiggins, I would say that in terms of also, uh, I looked at his pay and he's the 59th highest paid player oh, in the King league. Al. Okay. Yeah, and that's where I, I I see people that are above him. Like I've talked about, no, there must that are be overrated. loads of people worse than him above him. Then, mate. Loads, oh, totally, totally. Like just Kyle Kuzma is above him. Uh, you have uh, Sabonis is above him too. I mean, Chris Paul's current deal is above him, and there's no way you would say that Chris Paul could be the second best player on a no, championship no. team right now. But Wiggins, Wiggins verifiably has done that. So he's he's. I don't think he's gotten nearly the plaudits that he deserved for that run where he was like. Everybody was blinded by Steph Curry and the fact that Clay and Draymond ran it back, and there was that these flashes from Jordan Poole. But I would say that overall, Wiggins was to me the second best guy on a championship team. I, I mean, it's a good job you actually set up the context there of like his pay, and then also like contextually what people think of him. Because I'm actually shocked by that. Like, uh, this is one area I will say, which is I'm not like super tuned into like the everyday thoughts of like NBA fans. I know more like the historical debates people have, and then I just watch the game myself. If people don't know, I've actually told people this story in the past. They just don't believe me. They think I'm lying to be cool, Maui. Right? Before I became an actual content creator in esports, I never posted a bloody comment on a site. Like, it, I'm not that sort of person. Mate. It actually doesn't occur to me to go to a website and start like arguing. You and people and type it on my th- I just have my thoughts in my mind and maybe I talked to my friend about it like it's only when I actively became a content creator I started to do like just opinions on Twitter and stuff so in general actually in things I like I try to generally stay away from pleb opinions because they annoy me like you know in MMA when like they do that thing where you know one person wins by like a fluke knockout but they make it sound like you know the other guy could never ever have won the fight and it was impossible and it, anyone who thought otherwise was an idiot so I'm actually shocked because I have to say that my perception of Andrew Wiggins was the other way around. Like when he first came in the league, he was a bit overrated because if you think about his, if people don't know his type of a game, it's actually one of the reasons why this is another thing I, I noticed in the modern day. Everyone's forgotten to talk about with this guy. This was another guy right in that, like Kyrie Irving, fucking Devin Booker. Like they're trying to be Kobe fucking crowd of people. I mean, even another one of those ones that just openly says, of course it was like his idol. And if you ever watch his game, He's one of the few ones, a bit like that thing where they do like, uh, he's the next simple. You know, I told you, like, the only one who's ever allowed to be called that is Modesty. And he, he's the only one you can call next simple or next Gary S because he actually has the skill set that looks at least a little bit like it, you know. Wiggins is in that class. Like, if you ever watch his fucking, like, fadeaways, he's got a really nice bag, actually. He's got a very legit skill set for this area. It isn't just a three-point shooter. Even though, actually, I'll, I'll give you that even. There's another thing that shows you how interesting basketball is, mate. Because when Wiggins wasn't in the Warriors, he was just an all right three-point shooter, dude. He stepped to his level weight. You could tell he just knew in that team he was going to get that many shots or they just told him, like, you'll get set up in this way. His numbers went up loads. He was way better. So I have to say, I, my perception was I thought he was an overrated player coming in and I assume people just thought reasonably, you know, he found his place in the league. Like, I can't believe he's actually underrated, but by that logic, he must be. Like, that's outrageous. I would have thought he'd be like the 40th best paid player or top 30 or something, you know. Like, that's crazy to me because I also do think if you watch his game, right, he's in what is the tough spot, which is, like you were talking about, where you fit in the play. He could be if the best player on like some mid table yeah. team and he could be probably like a borderline all-star and pump his numbers up it's just he wouldn't he wouldn't win the championship if he did it so I actually think like you say that sort of a setup that he had in the Warriors is basically perfect like he actually looks like he could be a number two option on a lot of good teams mate. this guy's like I say his skill set's good and a thing that impresses me as well is I know I'll just bring this up briefly as a tangent but you know when this FIBA tournament was going on right now and everyone was watching it and people like the Dennis Schroeder guy there was even that guy who was like everyone was saying it was like the Jordanian Kobe or whatever you know that guy like, when you get right, when you see that, it actually reminded people of a concept that gets lost in the NBA, which is 
if you don't make it immediately in the star roles, the carry roles, as it were, in the NBA, they don't go, right, well, you're on the bench, but you're a carry for five minutes. You, you, just, get, you just get lost in the mix. You, lo- you lose your spots, you lose your resources. And actually, most people's game doesn't scale, Maui's. Like, you'll see a lot of those guys, if you actually had to put them on, like, the bad team where they essentially got the green light, they would be a 20-point-per-game shooter, and they'd actually show you their whole skill set. But if you put them on, like, the ninth-best team in the Western Conference, and they don't make, like, the first five rotation, they will just comp- you will never know how good they were as a basketball player. They'll just become a guy playing garbage time or replacing someone, and you'll never actually know what their game was. This guy's game actually looks like it's like on a fucking slider. You can scale it up and down, mate. Like, if you only want to give him 12 shots a game, he's good at that. I think if you gave him the 19 shots a game, like a star, he'd be good at that. He actually is a, just a good player. I can see why he didn't quite cap out as a superstar. Who knows? I always think on that one, it's why all those stories about the stars being arseholes never really meant much to me, because it's like, like, mate, the ones who aren't don't make it, though. You know what I mean? You almost have to be, like, a delusional narcissist to actually be a star in sports because you actually really have to believe, like, just give me the ball and let me do it all. <laughs> like, that is a pretty mad thought. And this, I don't think he has that mentality. But I do, I agree. I think he's a pretty good player, man. I'm shocked people don't think he's that great. I think, I think his skill set's awesome. I would say that what really was a huge turning point for Wiggins and probably how this even happened is is coaching though because with the Timberwolves when he was playing for them this is when we did kind of see him overextend himself he could never really be the number one option on a team that's actually going to have championship aspirations but then once he came into the Warriors system like you're saying where he knew he was going to be set up for these kinds of shots these kinds of looks then we start to see this other facet of his game where he can play in the flow of things so much better and even after seeing this career pivot from him to become a second option or even a third option depending how you want to look at it it's it's really just been impressive to see that wow actually you probably could stick Wiggins on nearly every team in the league unless there's perfect role overlap or just I guess the worst overlap possible he could probably actually improve nearly every team in the league just as a solid wing player he could be he could probably play position two three or four depending if you're playing smaller or bigger and then he would have he would have some valuable role on it on any roster yeah, I mean, he obviously could easily swap between like shooting guard and small forward in pretty much any team. If you think about it in the league, in fact, I'd even say being as good as he is from small forward, that probably actually is like the position on most teams is the weakest in the NBA half the time where I look. So because it's kind of the lost one, if people don't know, it's the one where they just shoot the threes now, isn't it? So, all right, let me see. Then I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with one that's going to seem like a boomer tick, but it isn't actually. This isn't it. If you notice, one thing I do like in sports and esports is. I, I think there are certain stats have like strong correlations. I think there are certain things just don't show up in stats though. And so this player, I think is a perfect example. And I'm not going to do, it's not Udonis Haslam and you know, like that take of like, make him the 28th player on the bet. Like that's such a bad take guys. Cause I know what you mean by that, but like even he at the end had nothing in the tag. He played about 15 years extra because he almost became a meme. It's just going to be Steven Adams, the one that everyone will know from the Thunder, the giant Aussie guy who just has a ridiculous like, I mean, he literally looks like a Greek god. If people don't know, he looks like he just came <laughs> out of like a, some sort of mythos. You know, like he's outrageous, isn't he? But the thing is, the reason I say I think that this guy's not a stats player is because 
this is where, like, I don't care what the numbers say on the paper. Like, first of all, this guy seems to actually be the ultimate, like, glue guy player, by the way. He's just a player who never complains. His physical strength is actually absurd, mate. Like, I don't, you can't, obviously, there's no stat for this in the NBA, but, like, I don't care, like, if someone else has the same rebounds and blocks. and Like, this is one of those guys where, like, the, <laughs> it wouldn't even be worth him trying to take a charge. No one could ever knock this guy over. Like, LeBron could actually run full speed in this guy, and he could just take it. I'm telling you right now he's that absurd like his physical strength is mental and it's and it's definitely not just from the gym either mate. he just looks like one of those people who's like built of orc if you know what i mean but the thing to me is from all the teams i've seen him in he is the ultimate player like i say who doesn't seem like he has any actual ego about like his position that's he's one of those players it's a bit like the ruby rudy gobert angle they don't even seem to care about offense mate if you want to take all the shots they're fine with that they just do their shit and so this is a guy where like yes he's obviously going to be like your bench player if you have him and he's at the end of his career now in that sense and he's not gonna have some big leap ability but people underestimate like this is why I hate those discussions about stars it's like bro who's on their team it's not like the Bron had the same fucking 15 people with him every season like it's pretty relevant who's playing like the four or who's like who his backup point guard is or who comes in at the end of the game who shoots free throw you know what these are all things I need to know so they're playing 1v1 so this is one of those guys where like you're never gonna see on paper like gotta have this person but if we were doing one of those drafts and we're getting down there and we're rounding out our bench this is the sort of player I had because mate I think they actually do add quite a lot and I think they're actually underrated sorts of players like there aren't pretty swear there are not many huge physical specimens like this guy in the NBA he's outrageous where I would instantly compare what Steven Adams has been doing to any player that I've watched much more carefully I, I kind of see him as like Andrew Bogut where he was just really great screen setter actually pretty good if you just kind of hand him the ball and kind of try to wrap around him like what i what i think of now with adams that's so cool is that the way that john morant can almost have seemingly three feet more of space because he's getting a screen off of what adams is doing and speaking of people that are just selfless what was so ridiculous about that westbrook season where he was able to find the the triple double average yeah. as he he took mvp was off of the back of a lot of Stephen Adams making way for Russell Westbrook yep. to get the rebound. He, he if people don't know, this guy is out. also an absurd rebounder. Like he's one of these fuckers who unironically can just like average like over three offensive rebounds a game. Which is like, by the way, I still think that is the most the most underrated stat in basketball is the offensive rebound, mate. Like I don't think plebs get it. That's you miss your shot and get it back. Like. Pfft. That's like, that should be the fucking holy grail right there. Because when teams don't have people who are good on the boards, mate, I can't handle it. It's like, this is the most fundamental part of the game. It's so, it's, uh, it feels like you're, I mean, the new, the new school style where people are just so less willing to crash the glass does kind of feel empty in a lot of ways. Yes. How it, it's, it's so like, oh, the, the physicality of this game is moving away and it's more becoming all about. Did you see, I don't know if you saw this, because I thought this was fake at first, but apparently it's real. Apparently there's some player, I can't remember who, though, I think it's someone like not that famous, like Lou Williams or something, you know, there was some player who played with Corby at the end who sent him, because it's obviously before he died, on Instagram, like, you know, a picture on his DM, and it's a mad picture, one of those ones where Corby's, like, you know, fading away as, like, two defenders are, like, right in his face, right? Yeah. And then he just sent it to Corby and just said, like, ha, 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 or something. And then Corby had actually replied on Instagram. Have you seen this picture I'm talking about? I, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think Corby I had actually replied. This is why it's so sick, and it just said something like, you know, should be an easy putback for whoever gets in if I miss then, because, like, his logic yeah. is, if I've got two people guarding me, there's only three other defenders. Like, obviously, you should get the rebound, and it was like, now, obviously, <laughs> that's the 
ridiculous extreme, that doesn't work. But I agree. Because in the modern day, dude, this is where actually they have sort of let that like three-point shooting thing go too far. They really do have the mentality now of like, right, we missed our shots, run back. It's like, it's like we're just getting better yeah. back on defense. Like, what? You go for the fucking ball, yeah. Yeah, that's where like I think the analytics era has gotten gone too far also where I, I think there's some number about well if we actually hustle back on defense as opposed to gamble for an offensive rebound our likelihood is x percent higher yes. that we're going to stop the next play from happening but I, I, I feel like the implied risk and everything I'm sure that they've ran the numbers to come up with this kind of decision but at the same time it, it feels like people aren't even trying and yet there are people that come up in the in the NBA space with this certain skill set and they just follow the the coaching driven by analytics as opposed to actually maybe using their personnel who could find a couple more offensive rebounds per game but yeah it's just one of those coaching deals and why this whole like uh this this whole era of of basketball and and for that matter sports being air quotes figured out kind of leads to teams feeling very samey and you're not getting as much in terms of idiosyncratic characteristics team to team sometimes if you turn on a random game day to day now on league pass you're you're watching sometimes i'm watching two teams and i'm like there's nothing that is a strong characteristic for either of these two teams playing because i feel like i'm just seeing space and pace uh trying to kick out to the corner three and if you don't get an inside shot it's just over like what is it um daryl morey with the rockets just just ruined this game. This oh, the heat did. maps now yeah. are just literally all yeah. around the three point line or a layup. It's just like, come on, <laughs> yo. Oh, they did. Uh, Sadly, even though if people at the time actually were battling him because he was the original analytics guy, the joke is they all copied him now. Like essentially everyone just did what he did. It's ridiculous. Yeah. By the way, the other thing about the Stephen Adams guy, I just looked it up right now, mate. Uh, one thing people don't often know is a lot of like weights and uh, uh, actually, uh, and sometimes even the heights are wrong in the NBA because a lot of them, like for the old school players, for example, apparently were just when you're a rookie, it's like whatever they originally measured you at and they don't update them. But like, it, I'm assuming in the modern day, they do update them each season and do like a check or whatever, you know. Stephen Adams is listed as 265 pounds. Now, all I'm going to tell anyone listening to this podcast, if you don't know what I'm talking about, pull up a Google image and he is not fat in any context. Like pull it up no. right now. Like he just, actually for real has those like legs that are like you know like the size of my head basically like outrageous like just just absolute stop like oak trees like i say but, yeah, outrageous in it i mean if they didn't get jason momoa to play poseidon in these newer oh movies, he could easily do it couldn't he yeah stephen adams is the he even looks like option. jason momoa put it way, in a movie jason momoa would play him basically like he actually is that guy it's ridiculous yeah yeah, yeah. They're, they're honestly like the same person and this is also where i actually do think that like essentially as a tangent that's what our show is about one thing i'll say is this on the whole tangent of like the three-point shooting of the small ball angle the part i've put i've talked about this in the past when i talked about like the death of the mid-range game which i actually think is an incredible flaw like i do think lebron looks really silly when he doesn't actually look like he practices a mid-range game so he can't win games for you from except for a three-hour drive right the reason why i hate that is because going along with that I feel like the problem is small ball works right until it doesn't and when it doesn't it's dog shit like I've always said this mate everyone who tells you that game 7 between the Warriors and the Cavs was the best it's dog shit the fourth quarter is so bad it's just people missing shots for like 6 straight minutes for yeah, real yeah. basically until Kyrie Irving hits that shot it's both teams scoring no points and, even, and it's some of the best 3 point shooters ever just whiffing like a motherfucker because they are under so much pressure 
even the best three-point shooters ever can't on command actually hit the shots. Whereas like one, you're just closer if you're taking a mid-range game. So it's not it's not like it's like the shot becomes easy. First of all, your percentages are up anyway. And then secondly, you're just closer to the basket. And then thirdly, the point I was going to get to here is this is where players like this actually are underrated, in my opinion. Because when you have really tall, strong people, mate, at the end of a big playoff basketball game, there's a reason why the refs don't call the foul super easily. Because like you actually have to try and score a basket now. Like we'll just set ourselves up defensively. You do something. You're not going to get it for free. And actually having like big players or depth or size is underrated in that scenario. In the same way as having good mid-range players is like, that is the easiest way to win a game or in this case, block a game being won. It's just having people who actually like are physically intimidating can stop you just doing a layup. Like that's, a, that's, a, that's sort of underrated use because like you're saying, in an 82-game season, it doesn't matter that much. People aren't playing playoff basketball in the regular season. It is up and down. You can just essentially pump your numbers. But basketball in the NBA in the playoffs does get different in the, in the more important games. So I always thought this guy was underrated, man. I always thought he could be on loads of teams. And like I said, seems like a mega amiable individual too, even though actually if you look at him, you'd expect this would be a mean person, wouldn't you? But he actually seems fucking yeah. super chill, mate. He seems like a super cool teammate as well. He seems to have a pretty good personality. I just looked him up and actually kind of random and not really related anything, but we actually share the... We were born on the same day, actually, him and I. Okay. Interestingly enough. But uh, nothing more to oh, it Oh, he's actually that. from New Zealand, apparently. So technically, I know they hate it when you say like they're from Australia, from New Zealand. But the yeah. problem is none of us know the difference. Like, here's my joke for you people from New Zealand, right? We do know the difference, as in, if an Australian guy spoke and then a New Zealand guy spoke, I'd know which one was which. But that's also kind of like if you go to the restaurant and you get that Diet Coke... Is this diet though? But if you try the full, oh, that's definitely diet. If you try the full sugar one, you'll know instantly if it is. But before, you could get tricked into it, couldn't you? You could sometimes be, you can tell, he's, oh, I'm not sure if it is or isn't, but you'll know soon. So it's a point. He's actually from New Zealand, apparently. So he's a Kiwi. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. I, okay, just just to get back to the Jason Momoa comparison, Jason Momoa looks like an absolute unit in every movie that he's in, but. Steven Adams is actually seven inches taller than him and 50 pounds heavier than him. I would love to see a picture of them side by side. Yeah, I know. Because you, know you know that picture back in the day where Arnold Schwarzenegger in the movie Conan was with like Andre the Giant and Wilt Chamberlain and bro, Arnold looks like it's tiny next to them because you know, like they're fucking actual enormous. Like, So they're just like stood next to Arnold and he looks like a bitch. Like I want to see Steven Adams <laughs> next to Jason Momoa just sort of like patting him on the head or something like, all right, mate. <laughs> that would actually be amazing because you're right you must be so much bigger because that's the yeah. thing people never understand like i've always said this the best go-to is obviously alan iverson you have to tell people alan iverson's six foot tall like yeah. we just think he's like a short ass because he played in the nba like in real life he's actually tall what are you talking he's, about you know he's, yeah but he's he's looks so short but he's i mean he's also people say he probably was even 5'11 or something like could that. be i could believe it put that way yeah yeah uh okay i could go okay we're kind of on the topic of underrated big man, and I was going to save this one for later on. because it's a bit more historical, but I think this is in some ways the classic underrated, under-talked about, under-appreciated big man of all time, and that's, to me, it's Moses Malone. Oh, of course. So, yeah. I think so we even, it, by the way, might have even forgotten to mention him on that, like, Goats episode. We didn't even bring him I, up, I don't think, for, like, Power Forward, I, which... I think uh, you said his name once. Yeah, but if you... That, bear in mind, we did put, like... I mean, we put, like, Steph Curry and stuff. Like, that was egregious that we didn't mention him. But that, that's just... Unfortunately, as we'll get into now, it's it's because of the time period he played in as well that fucks him, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the early 80s is when he was doing his, his best work. And a th another thing about Moses, and I'm going to kind of talk about why I think he's underrated. There's a few factors, in my opinion. One is he was not in, in an era of people like Larry, Larry Bird and Magic, where they were just 
hallmarks for and they were trademarks of their teams like they stayed on the lakers and celtics respectively for as long as they both did it was moses malone in some ways was a bit of a journeyman how he swapped teams so many times he was he was on the rockets for a while he actually won his championship with the sixers i think he was on uh, about seven teams or so and so he never really got to just develop that home fan base where he had a city behind him. What's, what's funny is he actually had his jersey retired by both the, the Rockets and the Sixers, but you don't really think of him either as a legendary Rocket, or you don't think of him necessarily as a legendary Sixer, and that's why he's a bit more nebulous in terms of where his who has an allegiance towards him, because usually I think that standum today has really changed where people the the phrase is always i'm not a i'm not a heat fan i'm a wherever he he at fan with lebron and so when it's like with moses if if moses almost were in the current day i actually think that he would have a lot more fan reverence simply because people are more willing to tie themselves to a player but before in like my my dad's generation you're pretty much just tying yourself to a team. And I tie myself to a team because I'm a little bit more old school, but a lot of the, my peers, for that matter, are more about just the individual players. And I get it, I get why, you, the, the, like, if you don't, especially if you come from, if you're a fan from overseas, like, why would you have a tie to, like, the Oklahoma City Thunder? Why would you even root for this team? Like, you have nothing to, to do with them, but if you grow up in America and you grow up near a certain team or, uh, market, you're probably just going to become a fan of them just because you you can go to their games, you can see them live. But yeah, with Moses, beyond that, to get back on why he's actually so sensational, I mean, he for for three for three years straight, he was averaging 27 and a half points, and he was also getting one and a half blocks. Like when when I went back and actually watched the the finals games where he played them against the Lakers and swept them, this dude was clearly more physical than Kareem and it wasn't close. He outreaded I think he over doubled Kareem's rebounds in that series and they're playing the same position. He's but but what's so cool about Moses is that he had this great finesse around the basket like the way he would search for rebounds one it felt like he could read the trajectory very well of where the ball is going to be and he would predict it and two he kept doing this move where he would go go kind of like underneath the basket and where normally you'd you'd you wouldn't have any position there he was so strong when he was backing up into people that he could basically box people out even though he never had position on the ball as soon as he saw where it was going he just <clears throat> he just back himself into whoever is there and it's almost like he's now gaining new position and it, it was it's it's so it looks so clunky honestly it doesn't it's not sexy at all and i think that's another reason why people probably to this day don't really put moses on their all-time greats list because Kareem's got the sky hook or and and Hakeem's got the dream shake and all these people have these signature moves but Moses's signature move was just sticking his ass into people and just like bumping them out of the way like if anybody wants like a modern day comparison it's like when you see Kyle Lowry just back his butt into somebody because he has such a low center of gravity but for Moses I mean winning finals MVP for immediately joining the Sixers, taking them to the finals, winning finals MVP when it was supposed to be Dr. J's team. I mean, I mean like he just kind of alpha him on that too. He just like took over and still to the, I mean, yeah, I, I think it's just, it's just goes without saying that Moses is underappreciated. Oh, it definitely is. Cause like put it this way. I don't think people realize this is someone who was a three time MVP of the NBA 
three-time MVP. And you're doing that, by the way, in the era of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Larry Bird. Like, these are all the players that everyone knows. These are like the first ballot, like the fucking... These are the top 10 players when people do the top 10 players of all time and you're winning over them. And as you say there, it's not you're playing with or against bombs. You're playing against the other greatest players of all time. And yeah, this his actual numbers are impossible. I don't think people... Right, he had like 11 straight seasons where he averaged 20 points. 11 straight. And that's not his whole career. And then, yeah, as you say, like the rebounding's impossible. Also another impossibly good offensive rebounder as well. Basically, like when they're within a certain distance of the basket, it's just guaranteed this goal. Like <laughs> players like that. The sad thing is when you see players like this, it actually makes you realize why another problem with all all-time great discussions is we always talk as though players have like ultimate agency over what they did. Like essentially we all model the game as if it's now and like you wait till the end of your contract, then you talk to the other player, yeah, I'll join you in the offseason, and then you force your way out and you get I don't think people realise like you were either at the whim of your your GM if you stay in the same place. And that's the reason why I think people like Carl Malone didn't have as great a career as they could have. Like the, the GMs didn't always put the best players around. All people didn't want to go there. But then the other ones, even worse. If you ever get traded back then, like there wasn't any, there's like star thing now, like the star gets to choose where he got. There, was, there wasn't contracts like that. You just go wherever they send you, mate. So if you're lucky, like you see here, you, you can get to go to the Sixers who are already loaded and then you win the championship. But as you see in some of the other moves in this guy's career, you can just end up in the middle of nowhere with nobody team. And you can, sad thing is, you can still be put up the numbers, but no one knows. In fact, there's a whole bunch, if you ever go on basketball reference, in the 70s and 80s, there's a bunch of players, mate, you've never heard of, who were like 20 and 10 players and they're like shooting a good percentage. But their whole career, they're just in a shadow somewhere and we never saw them play so it's cool this guy got his at least his moment in the spotlight where he got to be I do think though in history though probably one of the most forgotten players ever though yeah if you think about like I don't think people understand the resume alone almost demands this guy be considered for like a top 20 players of all time but mate I've seen a lot of top X lists where this guy was really low down there like really low because as you're saying like like, the real problem is just we didn't watch him play. He just isn't someone who, like, as you said, like, his style isn't sexy like the other ones. Like, essentially, this is why it makes sense Charles Barkley was on his team later. It's like that. It's like Charles Barkley's game. It's almost, I think that's even why Charles Barkley later just fell in love with shooting three-pointers. No one thinks it looks cool to get a rebound back and put it back in and score a <laughs> basket. I do, because I understand how valuable that is. Like, if I was a coach, I fucking love players like that. But no fan thinks, like, there's no highlight package. Like, think of all those classic Jordan videos everyone had back in the day. Like, come fly with me. There's no there's no one way like gets a rebound and puts it back in like yeah like that it's like a 360 dunk or whatever and like no one would watch this cassette so but i agree if you look at like essentially if you want like a workman superstar this has got to be one of the best of all time like ever to play about the game in fact it's why it's a shame i didn't watch enough of this game because i do feel like this might sound like a weird angle, but you know, I, on shows, I always try to encourage people. I mean, there's rare people like Alan have actually done it. I always try to encourage people. If you really do believe in, in like accomplishments, someone's got to call device the goat of CSGO. Like, look at his fucking yeah. resume. Like, just by that logic, we've got to have like one guy who takes that position. I almost feel like, even though I wouldn't put in there, like I already told you, I'm, I'm putting Carl Malone as my power forward. I almost feel like there's got to be someone as Moses Malone's their best power forward. There's got to be one person in the whole world who saw him play who thinks he's at least that position. Like, because it's it, because the number Numbers certainly back it up, mate. They're outrageous. Like, as you say, the, it's not like he's even just doing like, oh, he did like 25 points. And 10, no, he's doing like the 25 and like 17 rebounds and like six offensive rebounds a game. Like, that's like one-man offense right there. That's unbelievable. Right, yeah, I've got I'm, one. I'll, I'll go for a classic one too, then. If we're going to go in and out, we're going to veer in and out a little. Did you have any more on that? 
Jim Smart. I just think, well, I, I think like two things really hurt Moses beyond that, uh, like for, for public perception. I started, I was like trying to find clips of him when he was, you know, like interviews and stuff like that. This dude just mumbles every oh, single right. interview and he says nothing. Okay. It's like these, he gives the worst interviews I've ever seen for a professional athlete other than people that play games that have like, you're getting concussions every day, essentially. Like I'll say that yes. for people that play basketball, probably it, it feels like this dude has like, so like he's he's I don't I don't know how but he just can't he just can't string together any coherent sentences which is why his most famous quote ever was when he joined the Sixers he had the one line and they just repeated it ad nauseum during the Sixers season was where he he just said fo 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 which just meant he's going to win they're going to go 4040040 throughout the entire playoffs he thought they were going to sweep the entire playoffs and they actually only lost a single game in that play in those playoffs so he almost actually did what he said he was going to come and do but uh and that became his iconic line is is that whereas other people just give normal interviews and say normal things and then also, I'll just throw this out there. If you ever look, because he's one of those people who a lot of his games are about rebounding, mate, what will shock people is when you look at his actual numbers, you're going to be like, holy shit, how's he this good? Go look how many shots a game he's taking, mate. This is a guy who's like routinely taking like 15, 16 shots. It's not like some guy that he just has, you know, the green light and he's shooting all the time and 20 shots a game. It's not like he's just pure volume. Like this guy's just a fucking mega player. Like the joke is, like I said, that's what I was going to get to earlier as a point. When you see players like this, you're like, how did how did other GMs not just go, this is the guy I want to build around? Like this is like, this is my clear number one piece. You get this piece sorted, mate. Now you're laughing. Now you just got to make a couple of good decisions. You're going to be in a mega position. But yeah, that just shows how weird the NBA was back then. In fact, there is real sad thing about this guy's game essentially is in it, at the end of the era of the centers where you're not getting as many centers like this should be a dominant player like essentially now he's OP as fuck from power forward like I mean the joke is if you look at his height and his weight he may as well be a center it's like we're already getting into that Hakeem Olajuwon Tim Duncan Kevin Garnett thing of like what is a power forward and what is a center because essentially the real problem with the whole center discussion is everyone just thinks of like Wilt Chamberlain and guess what there aren't many of them coming out the pike are they mm -hmm. like in reality in the modern day more is like a power forward isn't it it's like unless you're going to play purely through the middle which no one does anymore. Everyone's a power forward, aren't they? That's the that's the stupid thing about positions now. I think he moved in and out between the positions a little bit, but I, I would say when he was at least playing those finals against the Lakers, he was definitely the center for them then. But I know that I think he was who I think it was with the Rockets at some points. He was like a power forward too. But yeah, I mean that's probably another thing that actually honestly hurts his uh, his legacy that it's it is a little bit more just it's just less clear as opposed sure. to other people that are just true and true centers. Right, in that case then, I'm going to go with a historic one. And here's the funny thing, because actually that's one of the ones I did have listed. I had three or four listed of historical ones. I did have Moses Malone, because I know we didn't, like I said, I don't think we did him justice on the GOATS episode. We like barely mentioned him, like I said. So, what I've got here is, this is definitely not as great a player. Like, let's ratchet the magnitude down mm -hmm. a bit. But this is actually a player in the modern day where it's actually because I was reading something recently and like, holy shit, this is an example of a player where he was in the wrong era, dude. Right? I actually did think this guy was slightly overrated because he did win a finals MVP. He wasn't that good, but you'll see. It's Chauncey Billups, the former Pistons and Nuggets player. And the reason why is this. I went and looked this up. Right, dude, you know, the? I don't know if you know this, like, if, if people weren't following like journalism around the NBA before people Steph Curry already had started like 
blowing up and scoring like quite a lot and loads of threes before people realised that before this whole sea change of like right the NBA is just small ball and three point like he'd already started his career that wasn't at the beginning that that began but I remember what happened was the thing the analytics guys cued into that changed everything for Steph Curry's team at least I don't know if everyone else should have done this was they noticed that it was that like he didn't have any of the flaws of pass great three point shooters he didn't have to come off a screen he didn't have to be open basically the crazy thing when he looked into the deep analytics of Steph Curry's game was he was better than like all the other three-point shooters even if he was being guarded and he was off the dribble which is normally when you should be by far the worst three-point shot because like someone's guarding you so they're like disrupting you and you have to like go into your shot mid coming off a dribble essentially so like that if people don't know that would probably be the like a contested three that is the hardest three and Steph Curry already at the time was like you know shooting like 45% from that or something and so when you saw that stat it basically meant this player should have a green light every single time down the floor. There's actually never a context where he couldn't make the shot above like league average. Well, this is a player where actually, if you go and look back, dude, he was doing that. Like he's not that sort of a player. No one shot as many back then, but this is a guy where he would handle the ball. He was a point. He, he actually was a lot of what, by the way, this player I think would dominate the NBA right now. He's a big, I'm talking big, a big physical point guard who can definitely like bang and play really physical. But he also had like decent handle, can pass the ball, and he can he can shoot contested completely. That's why he was like the big shot guy. Unfortunately, people are going to think of like he did take a lot of like ridiculous like Steph Curry's like thirty eight footers and stuff like that, which probably isn't advisable for him. But he's actually a rare player, I think, who actually was sort of like already overlapping into that area. And so to me, I've always thought one thing I've I've always been fascinated with with point guards is the ones where when you actually have like either shooting or a physical, like a nice physique, you can then essentially like, you can be like the scoring point guard too. You don't have to just be the, you're not Steve Nash or Jason Kidd, you're not just setting other people up. So I actually think this guy's game, like it was good back then. Essentially, what I'm sort of saying is if he played now, I think he would be a true superstar. I think now he actually would be one of the best players in the NBA. Like I think, I don't know how you would stop this guy now, basically, mate. I think He'd be fucking OP. Yeah, and with with Chauncey, with, what's uh, I think another reason he gets probably underrated in history is sort of also this kind of career trajectory where he moved around so much. Like, what was it? He was like he played for Boston, Toronto, Denver. He signed a really long contract with Detroit. Then he got traded back to Denver, and it it was kind of like again when players end up just kind of bouncing around from team to team it does seem like it's it always like really hurts their legacy and in some ways i get it why certain players today like lillard just die on a hill where it's you just stick with a team even if you're not necessarily winning because this is a case in point example of somebody who definitely had the skill set to to be a, a really strong player and to make more just score more points in terms of legacy. Yes. But the whole moving around aspect, even though even though he was a, what is it, six-time All-Star, that's still just, or five-time All-Star, my bad. It's just that he just couldn't, just, like, it's just hard to remember, like, where to place him necessarily. Even though he did a lot of his best work with, with the Pistons, it's still just... I, I think that when it, like that team itself also was a little bit on the unsexy side too, but oh, you're was. right. Yeah. His, his game, his game today would translate incredibly well. Uh, also pretty, pretty strong on both sides of the ball too. Like he could definitely be a really, really standout defender too. And it's just that, yeah, in terms of history, actually, you don't really, I don't, yeah, I don't really, I don't really see him come up in really any lists or anything like that, but usually someone that, that finds these kinds of marks like champion and finals MVP, multi multi-time all defensive team, 
and multi-time all-star like you would start to throw his name into a conversation also he is so undersized he's six six three yes. and so for him to have what's felt like that yeah when i say he's big before, i meant he's more like physical like you, yes. he was really imposing physique yeah yeah, exactly. Yeah, for him to come across <clears throat> as imposing as he did, despite yes. the fact that he was one of the shorter people on the floor, speaks volumes about just how he carried himself and what what his skill set did in terms of putting it on the hardwood. And like I said, just go and look at these two things. One, look at his not only three point percent, but look how many attempts he's taken, dude. This guy would have scaled. You give him like the the lot of like a Trey Young or something, he's gonna be fucking ball out of control. And then secondly, look how many overall shots he takes, dude. He's passing the ball too much. because yeah. uh, famously that Pistons team was very unselfish, and it was in like the low scoring era, for most famously. Like if you bring this guy to today out of a time machine when he's like twenty eight years old, mate, we. Let's get going. This guy can be all NBA first team. He'd be scoring like 28 points a game. We'd be having fun, mate, I'm telling you. This guy, like I said, you look at the numbers. He was he was, he was, was shooting the kind of volume you should shoot as a good three-point shooter. About like 10 years early or like what? seven years early or something crazy. Well, if you look at what's crazy, what's really, really crazy about someone like Chauncey is that it does seem like he comes, like when you look at his points per game, the best season he ever had was 20.0. But if you actually look at adjusted per 100 possessions, his he's had some incredible seasons. He actually had per 100 possessions, one season he had 29 points per 100 possessions. It's just that the pace was so slow yes. when he was playing. And like you're saying, it's from that low scoring era. But if you actually, yeah, again, if you put him in a modern era, this guy, it, he, he does scale. Like the per 100 numbers don't lie. And the thing is that the reason he's probably, you could probably actually even assume that his efficiency would go up on the offensive end because his defense, he was he was giving a lot of effort on defense too. So if, if he kind of became more like a modern player or whatever, like where they don't really try on the other side of the ball, then you would expect that his offensive production would go up too. And then, yeah, as mentioned, also play defense, which if you haven't noticed, I am incredibly biased to guard players that play both ways of the, of the both sides of the floor. I just think if you don't, it's all in your game. So, yeah, anyone who plays defense will always be underrated, probably. Because if you that's, notice, you're yep. only allowed to be like a defensive specialist. That's the only ones they remember. They don't remember actual two-way players for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got my next one, and it's like on, a, it's like the perfect example of this. Uh, I was going to bring up Mikhail Bridges right now in the league. Sure. And... He was so runner up for defensive player of the year behind Marcus Smart one year ago. And this year, I don't know where he actually landed in the rankings, but either way, uh, the thing with Mikhail Bridges is that you look at what he's been actually putting up in terms of numbers. And for, for once he actually swapped to Brooklyn for the last 27 games of the most recent season, he's putting up 26 points per game. He did not make it to the all-star team because the first half of last season, he was playing with Phoenix and he was playing in the shadow of, of Booker, of Paul, of, of, I guess Durant was there for a bit. And uh, th that kind of, to me with, with Mikhail Bridges, not having made an all-star team, but being all defensive first team one year and in this year, still looking like a, an incredibly capable defender, I would, I would just say that this is a guy that, to me, that could probably also be your second best player on a team. He reads to me a lot like like Wiggins. In fact, his measurements are fairly similar. He's not quite as athletic, but in terms of height, uh, I think he's like just an inch shorter than Wiggins is. And in terms of when you actually watch him play defense, he's not only good on his assignments, but he's also really good off the ball too, to intercept passes, to move around the, the court in the right way. He's not giving anything up, but frequently he's intercepting on top of that. And so he's such a massive disruptor. And then, and then the thing is that what's so crazy is that he 
didn't make the all-star team but if you if you actually it's like if you factor in his defensive contributions at all with how he's been producing in terms of uh just just offensive output on top of that you would say outright this guy is a value provider like you put him on the floor your team gets a lot better and he's not i wouldn't put him as he's obviously not a first option which is why he'll probably be snubbed in terms and he'll stay underrated for a while but if in terms of putting together a team that actually has championship aspirations i truly believe this guy could be your second or third best player and you could actually put, depend it all depends on your your number one star of course but he could be a guy that gets you to the conference finals at the very least yeah, what I would say is, obviously, no one could really know how good he actually was until he got, like, the actual fucking green light, like, in this team where he's sort of got to scale his game up a bit. But actually, even just from this season alone, I'm with you, mate. Like, in the era of, especially with all the teams that are playing fucking three-point shooting and small ball, this guy could play for any of these teams. Like, the joke is, half the time when they make the Warriors moves, I always wonder, like... How are you? Why Why do you make some of these moves? Like, you have the most obvious formula in the whole league. Just put like, make it like Mad Libs, bro. Like, this guy would be perfect for the fucking Warriors. He actually oh, yeah. plays defense. He loves three-point shots. He's good in fucking up and down the court in like a fast break. Like, and also, essentially, can obviously play without having to be the main attraction. But like, uh, this guy could do like on the fucking Warriors what like Harden did on the Thunder. He could be like the player off the bench who just has the ball if you want. Like, I agree. You could actually give this player more agency. He actually does seem like he's a better player than he was. Like, actually, what were they doing with him all those years and those other teams, man? Like, I can't believe they'd sort like, just let him, like you say, just chill behind other players. Like, it actually seems like he's better than some of those guys. And and the thing is also for you, I bring up always pay. He's the 69th highest paid player in the league. Like, that's disgusting. That is disgusting to me. This guy should, to me, I'd say he's a top 30 player in the league. If you want to really, really value offense more, maybe you'd scale him down to like top 40, but there's no way he's the 69th best player in the league by any metric. I mean, the, the, what were the they doing with him on the Suns though, bro? Like what was, I've, I can't comprehend what that GM or coach were thinking. Like, <laughs> like the seasons where he was just taking like fuck all shots. Like what? Have you ever seen this player play? He's a really good shooter as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he's a good guy that like he can, he's to me, more than three and D because I think that kind of had bec became a really trashy archetype. It's not, if people don't know, like, unfortunately, most players like that in the modern day, that usually means you were probably like a really good all round player in college, but then they just tell you like, right, it's like if you're a, it's like if you're a power forward, but all you do is get the rebound. You don't ever get any shots. Like it's actually in the modern day, like a reductive like label to get, isn't it? Like when they tell you you're yeah. three and D now, usually it means that we're not going to open your game up at all. Like sadly, it's not that like you know, that's your specialty. It's usually like that's all we're gonna give you. So I agree, he could do way more than that, mate. Like obviously he's mega at it. Like if you have him on that on the best team, you're gonna win the championship. But like I, c I can't believe someone hasn't taken a gamble because as you say, number two option seems right there, doesn't it? It's like right wait for you. Yeah, exactly. I would say that if actually the Warriors just went one for one, Mikhail Bridges with Clay Thompson, they're they're uh, honestly they're insane again because Clay has slipped down a little bit, and yeah, Mikhail would just fit in right there. So, like you said, the Mad Libs. Okay, I'll give you a modern one as well. Then we'll try and go keep it keep it synchronized. It's going to be Jalen Brunson. Oh, uh, why do people okay. not appreciate <laughs> this guy's game? Can someone explain it to me? This guy's actually a good player, mate. Like a, like a very legit player to me. Like this is someone where, like I don't essentially I don't know what's not to like. Like is it wasn't someone that anyone thought was going to be like the best player in the NBA. It's just somebody who's improved, improved, improved. They're getting spot. Now they're actually in the chance where they look like they're they're actually flourishing. They can actually be a le really legit player. 
I would say that it's it's that the the Knicks are just such a polarizing team that everybody like well with Jalen with Jalen Brunson he's next to Randall right now and I just I think Randall has sort of stolen the show a bit. I wouldn't necessarily argue. I think I I would think I would make the argument that Brunson's better than than Jalen right now also or J, Jalen's better than Julius Randall is actually and for. For him, I'm not sure why the community perception has probably not gone there. It's it's almost like Lakers media does such a good job of dominating the space, but for some reason, Knicks, even though the Knicks are such a high value franchise, for some reason nobody does any nobody really says anything about them on the like the whole scale the scale of uh, just like news of the entire league. I would say that Bruns Jalen Brunson though. He could definitely, I don't know if he could be a number one option on a championship contender, though. And that's kind of the thing, too. So I would say, and I think most of the people we're saying are underrated are people that you probably wouldn't be want to be your number one. But to me, he could probably be. Do you I, get the sense know, of what I mean? Though? Like the vibe I get is people treat him like he's just like a, just an all, just a random player in the NBA. Like, man, his game's fucking good. Like, this guy can seriously do work. Yeah, and I, I would say. I think it's. I think that maybe that's me. I'm. I'm probably. I probably underrate him too, actually, because I wouldn't. I wouldn't know where I would put him in the league as like a player. Like, I would probably take Mikael Bridges over him, but Jalen Brunson has a better, better offensive bag for sure. Like, you could, you could. Make, I mean, he's ball dominant. He can be ball dominant. So that's that's big for him. And I, I just don't. I just don't know if like. I'm probably of the crowd that does underrate him also just because the Knicks are, give you so little to be excited about nowadays that it's almost like, oh, cool, they're going 500. <laughs> like, this is a good season for them after such a slew of Oh, the Knicks obviously seasons. are irrelevant. Yeah, of course. That goes without yeah. saying. No, I, I get what you mean. Like, basically, I th that's actually a fair reason, which is that if people think the Knicks is, is basically just death, and if you notice, essentially, it's actually wise and aside. I actually think it's incredibly brave that Melo went to the Knicks and really did put in all his best years there. Because as you saw, it didn't pay off, did it? Like, even even though he was fucking balling, everyone acts like he was shit because the problem is they all think hey, no one good goes to the Knicks and they all suck, who cares? But like this guy, like mate, first of all, definitely a good point guard. He can set people up. He's actually like, I actually think his like raw skill set is probably better than some people realize. Nowadays, people do think because it's just been scaled like that. Just shooting three pointers and making them is how most people make their points to get their 20 plus right. This guy actually has a bag, mate. He actually has like footwork. He's got decent skill yeah. set. Like he got some fucking moves. Like I can also appreciate that as well. That's something else it's one thing to just score the problem with that is if you just score like off athleticism or because your team plays like up pace that's not the same as like being able to score at will being able to score at will requires things like you better actually have like a deep bag you better have footwork you better be able to actually like have an extra option can you pass the ball does it have to you do you have to shoot do you have to be set up can you make your own shot like this guy actually looks like he has a pretty solid foundation to me so look i agree the knicks are relevant i don't really, i don't he's gonna have a great career but <laughs> to me uh, again, if I took the, all I'd have to do is this, mate. If I took his stat line and I showed you like his, like sort of like his moves without showing you the player, I think a lot of people would be shocked that this is the player I'm talking about. Like the, the person's name just has no boost at all. It's irrelevant. No one seems to give a fuck. No, they don't. Well, okay, well, who do you, who do you think's better on the team? Do you think it's is 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 Jalen Brunson the best player or 
Julius Randle. I, I hear way more about Julius Randle. The problem with that is, though, I feel like yeah. that's a narrative one, though, because to me, yeah. the problem with the Julius Randle one is, is like a lot of people obviously gave up on him. In fact, by the way, a spoiler, there'll be another name coming later where I might mention one. Because the Lakers, after, in, the la in the latter part of Kobe going on, they just kept doing that thing where they just tried loads of players that weren't really like a true star at the time, but they thought, they, they did that terrible logic, Maui, where you go like, but what if we got four of them at once? It's like, well, that doesn't help at all. Now you never figure out who's good. And, and so people, like the joke is, all the other ones, like Johnny Clarkson, D'Angelo Russell, like they had all these, Kyle Kuzma, they had all these players that all had like some game, but they were all trying to coexist on the same team. And so Julius Randle, I think people, like, like a lot of them, wrote off. And he is actually like a solid player. He actually turned out to be not that bad. And he's obviously now become like good. But I actually think it's, here's the problem. To me, Julius Randle's game is capped though. Like I think what he's done now is probably as good as he's going to be. I think Bronson could actually get better, mate. Like I say, he actually looks like he's starting to peak and he's starting to sort of blow up a bit. So I think it, it, you could, it, it could make a case for us. I would probably say Bronson's better. It depends. It depends what you want, I guess, in the game. Yeah, and actually, actually, really thinking about it more with with the with the trajectory of Brunson, the the way that he played when he was with Doncic was just that he just didn't get as much shine. And I'm I'm remembering now like why the like narrative wise we don't really talk about him that much. But it but it was a pretty big blow to the Mavs to lose Brunson. And actually, you see now with yep. Kyrie how they're just they're just floundering that they're yep. just actually really bad. So Brunson was a much better complimentary piece. It's just that. This is also what happens when you have a shiny, shiny, like mega transcendent player next to you in Doncic, and then you're the guy that's playing second fiddle. And if you if you aren't really winning at all, and you don't have like big playoff moments, then you're gonna you're gonna be forgotten a little bit more. So it's it's lucky for you know those some of those secondary stars that end up winning championships because then they be get they get eternalized and immortalized in this space. Whereas Brunson. If if they if they got past the Warriors in that twenty two and two season, I think I think people would hold him in much higher regard. But the way that they were dispatched of really kind of made people forget that that team is more than just Luka Doncic, or it was. And obviously the problem is you can't really be a fucking ball handler and play for the same team as Luca and think you're ever going to get anywhere close to your shine or the opportunity. Like the sad thing is, if you go back and look at those Mavs teams he was on, you just look at it and you're like, why are you giving all these shots to like fucking Tim Hardaway Jr. and Spencer fucking <laughs> Dinwiddle or whatever? Like, why isn't this guy getting them? But that, if I, actually, I think that if, if you notice, that's even been a trend of this episode so far. Notice a lot of these players only really got their moment when they went to another team and then they just got the green light finally. They got some resources. That's why I said that thing earlier about how, like, everyone's game doesn't scale. Like, some of these guys looked like, eh, meh, when they're on the other team. Uh, but it turns out they're just, like, essentially, like, in one of those stars where the gravity of the star just sucks all the life out of the room. And then when you put them in their own team and give them, actually, the ball, some of them are good fucking players. So, all right, then. Give me one of yours, then. What are we going to now? Are we going historical? Are we going current? Where are we going next? Uh, I've just got some some current. Well, I got... Like, my last one's my last one's interesting, but okay. I'll, I'll go one before that here. We got... Um, one guy that I think probably has a really interesting career ahead of him, but he's never going to be a real star is Malik Monk because watching, watching Malik Monk, he's this guy that's just kind of like a heat check guy to me. Uh, I remember watching him actually play in, in college a bit and he was like super explosive. I think he was on that, those Kentucky lineups and, or what a Kentucky lineup that just, and basically when he got into the NBA, I just think that. Translating a skill where skill set where you were ex ex exceptionally gifted offensively, but not actually 
really that strong on defense meant that he was never actually going to be a strong rotation player. But I'll say that watching him play against the the Warriors in the most recent playoffs, he was the one guy on that team which is supposed to be stacked with fought with uh, with Fox, with Sabonis. And then I actually ended up fearing Malik Monk the most anytime he touched the floor because he was just, he, to me, I, I think this guy could probably be a Jamal Crawford type person. I think that that's always going to be incredibly valuable in the league to just have a guy that can come off the bench, score 15 against the secondary unit, and then dip out when it actually comes down to crunch time. And so to me, actually, he's, he's underrated because I don't think people really... I mean, he's not mentioned in that same air as like as other six man of the year contenders. But to me, he should definitely be up there very soon. And it's just the only thing is that I think he's still developing. I think he's, he's 24 years old right now. But I'm just going to make the, the prediction here is that one day this guy is uh, top top two in terms of six man of the year voting. I, I don't know if he's ever going to win the award necessarily. There's always tons of options and everything. But I think he definitely has has the shot to do it. This is one player where, don't worry, I'll use my skill I have from Counter-Strike, where I'll find a way to just bag on LeBron here, even though it's like, what? <laughs> because obviously, mainly, people will know this guy when he was on the Lakers. And all I'll say is this. One thing I have always thought is sus as fuck about LeBron's career. It actually applies to a lot of modern stars, by the way. Is if you're the player with the ball in your hand the most... By definition, you have to make your teammates better. You have to try and bring the best out of them, figure out how to use them. It's actually an area, by the way, where it's hilarious that my favorite player, Kobe, just gets shit on all day. Like, people talk like he's the biggest chucker of all time. Have you ever seen how many assists the guy used to average? Like, have you ever watched him play? Like, bro, he would have people on his team where, like, I'll just say it right now, watch their careers. They're better when they play with him than when they play with anyone else. Like, it actually improves their game to have it streamlined and to know when they're not going to get the ball when they are. One thing I've always found a bit underwhelming about LeBron's career is I'm being told my whole fucking time watching him play for 20 years that he's this like god passer and he's magic johnson reborn and he's making everyone better it's like he doesn't bro like there's two or three people ever and they were already the established stars like Kyrie and Dwayne Wade they get theirs anyway when they play with LeBron other people sometimes actually just I, here's what I'll say I think actually one of the areas that's the most overrated about LeBron this is why I'm bringing it up in like light of this player here is I actually think Where's the other people like Kobe and Michael Jordan? When they're being a prick to you, I actually think that's their own like fucked up communication way of trying to tell you like, step your game up. I actually think you're better than this. You could do more than this. You're letting me down. LeBron, I actually think, bro, for real, I think he's the other way. I think he's incredibly cynical. And that, he, like, the joke is he turns people into three and D people, mate. LeBron just looks like he sees your game, and in the first three months you play with him, he just decides, like, right, you can never be more than this, so I'm putting you in this box here. You're over here. That's all you do in my team. So I'll only ever pass you in this situation. You only ever take this shot. Like, they, I actually find it really sad. I've seen a bunch of these players now. He's done it with someone like the the people from his era who were the all-stars who were in the role-player positions. He just makes them fucking bums. And this is a player where it's like, bro, if I had this player when he like when he was on that Lakers team, I'm feeding this guy way more shots. Come on. This guy was a fucking banger three-point shooter for a couple of seasons. Like, if I... Like, again, I... I don't want players to worship analytics, but at least take a peek. If you have analytics like that, that almost screams out, like test it out, like give him two more shots a game or something. You know what I mean? Like, because the problem with that is when you are the ball dominant player, surely your favorite player is a three point shooter. 
Surely your favourite guy's a guy shooting. You just tell him, get open. And if I don't have my shot, and, I'm, and if I'm LeBron, spoiler, I don't have a shot half the time between 8 and fucking 16 feet, do I? So if I get caught there, you just do this in the side and I'll throw you the ball. Like, this is another player who clearly have scaled his game up. It's why, actually, I noticed the trend of this episode. We've almost just identified that GMs and star players in the NBA just actually think they really... It's like the joke is they're like a fan. They really think there's only superstars and role players. They don't know that, like, every player in the NBA was like the star of his high school team and like, you know, in his mind wants to play that game. And a lot of them essentially may, for whatever reason, just get like sort of typecast. And if you typecast them too hard, eventually they start to believe it themselves and then the game just plateaus and they go anywhere because I, like I, this is not someone I paid a lot of attention to. My, it's where I'm mainly going with the year he played for the Lakers. But, and obviously that playoff series he played in well, this last, the one playoff run he ever had with the Warriors against uh, the Warriors this last time. This guy could obviously be better just from the little I even saw, but he just, just looks like he's just looked form between the cracks, hasn't he? Maybe this is his chance now, though. Again, he's gotten out, he's gotten out of the fucking tyranny of LeBron. Now maybe he can do something. Yeah, I actually just I actually just looked it up because I was like making that claim that he could be top, like top two voting of six man of the year. He actually did finish, he didn't get that many votes. He got 16 total votes, but he finished fifth in six man of the year Fair conversations enough. already. And I, I I, honestly only think he's gonna get better. I okay. think that he's, he's starting to find out his shot selection really well. And what's one really underrated thing is that he actually, if I'm not mistaken, he improved in the playoffs. It, it was one series, but his, uh, his playoff numbers versus versus Golden State, like his points per game went up. And he had, of, of anybody in the entire playoffs this last season that came off the bench, he had he had the most points per game. So like, he's just a prime candidate for for filling that exact role. And yeah, like you're saying, if, if he just, if he, <clears throat> because he's not good defensively and he's a little bit careless sometimes and shot selection could probably be a little bit more fine-tuned here and there. I almost, in a way though, hope he doesn't figure everything out just so that he could just continue to satisfy this role of scorching the second unit against any team that he's playing against. All right. I actually referred to it earlier, so I'll do it since we're doing current ones. Like, like I said, of the same exact era of, of um, Julius Randle, I'm going to take Jordan Clarkson, who obviously if people might know used to play on the Lakers, obviously plays the mm -hmm. Jazz now. Dude, I think this, again, like I said, I get why all those players sort of got under it. Essentially, they got overhyped. Like I said, the GM of the Lakers was like, just put seven players that could all be good one day. And and they just it was it, the team made no sense. It had no identity. By the way, when you also have players like that, there's only one fucking ball. There can't be like five players trying to play like that because in that scenario, like three of us are just watching while two of you take shots and set up the offense. Like you're just wasting everyone's time. Like of those players, the difference is... I always thought D'Angelo Russell's game, because he was the other one that people used to hype, his game was always like a bit too much flash. And essentially, quite frankly, I think people have figured this out now, D'Angelo Russell seems like a bit of an airhead. He just doesn't seem like a very smart player. Jordan Clarkson was the one to me always looked legit. His game actually is nice, mate. Like, he actually has some sharp skills. Like... Not an amazing shooter, but he gets his numbers. He doesn't need the ball loads as well. Like This is, like again, just a slot-in scorer. Could play for almost any team in the NBA. Can shoot the three if you want. Not a godlike player. Just a good player, mate. Again, a name that, like, now, I get why. It's sort of, like, probably passed its sell-by date for some people. It's just a good player. He's still, he's still in the prime of his career. Like, this guy could play in a lot of teams. Yeah, I would say that one thing about Clarkson when I was watching him a little bit more on the the Jazz lately is that I I'd, I'd say when I when I first was watching Clarkson on the Lakers when he was like 
kind of after he was drafted. He was a little bit of a chucker in my eyes, but I would say now he's have a, he has a much more matured game where, and I, I didn't realize how old he, he actually was. He's well, he's 31. I kind of yeah. thought he was a little bit younger, yeah. but I would say that that, that is clearly, I mean, his age shows in a, in a good way, his veteran savvy now where he plays much more within the flow of the system as opposed to before when I was watching with the Lakers, it was like, I feel like you're taking some ill-advised stuff. What's what's curious about it is that it's not like it's not that he's necessarily become much more efficient over the the course of his career, but I would say that he can now I don't know where I would put him on a team to say like can he be the fifth best player on a championship roster, but may, maybe like maybe fifth to sixth could do you he could do pretty well for you, but yeah, I would say like the the thing is that at least in this season also he was he was starting and he showed that with the extra responsibility he could be more of a force like the fact that in the most recent season he had his highest points per game that's 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 pretty cool to see that he actually is like shifting his game to that like put it this way the kind of team I would want this guy on like you say I'm definitely not putting him as one of the best players I want him to slot in and give me production basically if I was one of these teams that have like a really strong like center or big man this is the sort of player I want because he can create his own shot mate he can create his own shot he can shoot from outside I will say he is a bit weak defensively he's not one of those like really good guards in that regard but he's not bad he's he's, he's sort of half decent at it but yeah like I say I, I, one thing I really appreciate in the modern day because like I say I think a lot of the like increased shooting has made people's numbers like this is the real difference Maui when you see someone now who gets 20 points a game like in the modern day 20 points a game just means you're like one of the good players you mean you're the star player but like the old school 20 points a game in like the 90s that meant you had a pretty complete game that means he can't stop you every game essentially you can force your offense like this guy can actually create his own offense and I do think that is something that people still underrate in the NBA like it's big di big difference between if you have to be set up get the ball fed to you play it off but if you can be the guy that like I can throw the ball out to and you can do something with it and actually make a good shot that's that's got its own value in my opinion mm. another player played for a shit team though i will say <laughs> just goes out <laughs> saying yeah yeah um okay i have one and i saved the most contentious one Come for on last because i know i know you're gonna have a, an opinion about this Come one on i'm gonna say that in the course of his history I will say that Russell Westbrook is Fuck underrated. Fucking hell. Oh, geez, <laughs> All right, here's the problem the then. What we have to do, though, is you have to do like the Fallen type video preamble. So what you have to do initially is set up for you how, like in, like, in what context are other people underrating him? Like, are we talking about like now? Like in the, okay. like, in the, like is it the last few years he was underrated? For his whole career, you actually think he's underrated? I would what, say what, that... What's the, it, what's the context here? Okay, so the context is kind of like, there would be discussions about Westbrook after he puts up that triple-double season. Like, is the triple-double just an overrated stat now? And it's like, we were praising, we were saying how impossible it was that anybody was going to put up a triple-double ever again sure, for a whole yeah. season. And then and then he does it. And then, and then suddenly it's like, okay, now we have to slight him by saying that. Like, I'm, 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 I'm of the opinion that I think that Westbrook was, I can be of two opinions here, that Westbrook was a stat patter, but I also think that the numbers that he was putting up were magnificent too. I, I, it's that there's, there's both going on right now. And I think that some people have moved so far away where it's like, 
Yeah, just like his stats were so meaningless, though. I mean, without without him on that Thunder team when he was winning the MVP, I mean, there's so there's nothing to work with there. That's such a that was such a poor team. Sure, they had Steven Adams or whatever, but like there it's there was not a lot to go with that team. And if he wasn't just hard carrying the shit out of them, I'm not really convinced that that team would have. Even though they didn't even necessarily have an incredible season beyond that, like who were you even working with there? You had your other options that season were. Andre Roberson, Steven Adams, Victor Oladipo. I mean, this is not a team that, to me, speaks playoffs, but Westbrook was able to will them to to that. And I will say, actually, in, in a weird way, actually, um, he's actually, I'll even go another level on this, that the modern Westbrook is probably slightly undervalued, too, because if you look at his salary, it, he's actually paid right now Two hundred insanely low amount. Yes, two hundred eighty. He gets a couple pace. of million a year, I think, doesn't he? What's it? What's he on now? Like three four million a year, some outrageous. Three point eight million it's not a metal. year. Yeah, three point eight million a year. So today he is actually, I, I will say for sure, he's undervalued because once he swapped okay. over, and you were, I mean, you're, you're, you're saying the like the way that LeBron works on his like all stars, and then they just become such average pedestrian players. That basically happened to, to Westbrook there. I mean, even when it he did. was, yeah, it, he, he just fell off a cliff. He fell off a complete cliff. And now he's starting to find himself again a little bit more on the Clippers team. <laughs> he was only on the team for 21 games at the end of the last season, but his numbers all rose drastically. He went from shooting 42% with the Lakers to shooting 49%. And then he went from shooting from three, he was shooting 29% with the Lakers. And then with the Clippers, he's shooting 36%. Like this is the, the, the it's a market improvement on efficiency, which is because he's able to become he's a little bit more ball dominant with them and he's able to just kind of like, they, it just seems like they trust him as opposed to when he was with the Lakers. I, I would say that there was probably a lot going on in terms of the media side of things where he was such a beloved figure when he was with Oklahoma and then just kind of hopping around from Houston to Washington to the Lakers. He really did not find his place on the Lakers at all. And what I am trying to say now though, is that in some of the history of Westbrook, I think things have gotten a little bit muddled where people now undervalue how great his MVP season was. And beyond that, the second part 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 is that the current player Westbrook is severely undervalued. There's no way, there's no world where he is the 280th best player in this league. Like he's he's at least a top 100 player still. Like I can say that with certainty. Right. The problem is, again, that's why I asked at the beginning, where are we going? Is this his whole career? Is this now? If we're doing now, I think it's slam dunk. He's mega underrated. Like, first of all, for salary, that is a fucking absurd. Like I mean, part of it, unfortunately, is actually literally the fault of LeBron and the Lakers. By yes. going to that team, he essentially tanked it. Because this is what's so sick about the way that people treated him. Laker fans and LeBron fans were actually disgraceful to this guy. Because even though I think he's an underrated player, that was when he was the superstar 1A option of his team. Where, as you say, he was just essentially quite clearly looking at the box score. Like, right, I need two more assists and one rebound. Like, I hate that. Like, to yeah, me, the whole, point of an, uh, the whole point of a good triple-double is it just comes in the flow of the game. At the end of the game, you go, oh, shit, I got you know, it's like that. I hate the thing where someone's telling... In the fact, if people don't know in the modern day, these fucking cunt coaches even tell a bit, you need two more rebounds. Like, what are you doing, bro? We're playing fucking basketball. Win the game, then at the end, worry about if we got the triple-double, you know. Right? In that context, obviously, he couldn't be underrated in that regard. But if people don't know, he essentially did, like, the fucking thing they all do in LeBron's tray. He he tried to hop on the bandwagon and take the fucking super low pay to come and play for the Lakers, and it fucked his whole career. Like, if this guy didn't do that, if he didn't go to the Lakers, Maui, and he just did the move of like, 
you just take the highest offer every time you're in a, in a free agency or transfer scenario, he would still be playing for $20 million a season right now. I'm telling me, easy, easy. Because yeah. his rep deserves it, his history, what he can do. He can be, he can, look, he can be the one option on a non-playoff team, definitely. I can tell you that right now. Still, still to this day, of course he could. It's a bit like when Melo came back and did the same thing and played for Portland. That Like, this guy couldn't have still been like the fucking top two player on your team. Of course he could. He just chose not to because he was in a different point in his career. But they didn't make use of that. Like, I actually thought for the role he played, in general, he was doing a good job in the Lakers. I will say... One of his fatal flaws did kill his game in the Lakers. You know what I just said about LeBron where he just gives up on you? Well, the biggest problem Russell Westbrook had is Russell Westbrook and the people around him have just decided his whole career they're going to live in some mad fucking, like, Emperor has no clothes bubble on his three-point shooting. Like, if yeah. he thought, I'll just spot up and shoot threes for the Lakers. You couldn't, <laughs> you couldn't shoot threes ever, mate. What are you talking about? Like, for the amount he has shot, he is one of the worst three-point shooters ever. Like it's outrageous how many times I've just seen this guy brick a million threes. And the reason that kills me is, one, he is a good point guard. Two, especially when he had his athleticism, he was a murderer going to the basket, mate. He was so fucking hard to stop. Like, I, I, I think in the modern day, I would even tell him, like, I might even be a cunt if I was a coach and tell him, look, because you're not that good at three. Actually, just try and draw fouls, bro. You'd probably get the foul if you just drive. Like, the, the game is kind of built that way. Like, if anything, you're mm -hmm. not abusing it. Like, good old fatty James Harden would fucking just go in now, mate. He'd just go and get those free <laughs> throws and take the free throws. And then the other one that does kill me is this. I also, this is why the whole like padding the stats killed me a bit. Because when this guy wanted to play defense, mate, he could be yeah. fucking ferocious. Like everyone knows what his physical abilities were like. He had, but he's another one of those players where I felt like they just have a switch. And sometimes they're just like, I can't bother playing defense now. Especially if, in, like, I do think that was his excuse in the Thunder team. Sometimes it's like, well, I have to do it all on the offense. I have to turn off the, which a lot of stars do in the modern day. I just don't fuck with that much. And then, yeah, I definitely agree on the LeBron one, though. I actually, I actually think it's criminal that that team was that bad like mate this is also where i also feel like the other knock on lebron is he does this thing where i won't say who right I'll, I'll i'll mask it you might be able to guess but i'll mask it for the plebs right let's just say i worked once with a host in esports where they absolutely i can tell you were offered maybe it was even going to happen that there would have been a backup host but they would always go no 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 i don't need that they wouldn't have a backup host, but then they would just spend a lot of the event going, ah, oh, bloody knackered, I'm not doing all the bloody event. Like, and you'd think <laughs> like, well, you know, you could have had a backup then. Like, well, no, 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 I need to run the whole show. I think LeBron does that, dude. I don't think he can let anyone else have the ball. <laughs> so I think what happened is, the real problem is this, Dwayne Wade always could have just been the shooting guard, mate. Russell Westbrook had to have the ball in his hands. That's why he's at his best. And I don't think mm -hmm. LeBron would fucking share the ball properly because how can they... Mate, if you're telling me you have a team with like Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, and LeBron, do we even need any more players? Like, just give yeah. me like Phil players and I'll, I'll figure this out, mate. We can, This should be winning the chat. They weren't even in the playoffs. I know Anthony Davis obviously has injury things and all this stuff, but like, that, I, that was so underwhelming. So I agree, the modern day Russell Westbrook is hell underrated mate now the joke is now people took it's like they're doing in, it's like they're doing counter-strike mate you know when i'll be i'll be saying i think this player's overrated they'll be like yeah thorny is trash you should never play i'm like still like one of the better players in the world what are we doing why do i have to defend the con now i hate this but then i have to start doing that like you know the ones who go yeah you're right thorny does suck i'm like well he obviously doesn't suck does he like don't include me in that i'm not saying that you can't you're not on my side when you say that like why are you saying that like i just said that and you agreed with me instead of putting the words in my mouth so russell westbrook never sucked in that regard but i do think essentially his his main problem when he was a main star was he just let his fatal flaws like 
take him over. Like, I don't even... Here's the weird thing about him. He has such a good rep from all the interviews. Like, if you notice that, there's no teammate ever dissed this guy or said any of the shit I say about him publicly. But at the same time, I don't know. I can't tell if... He, if Part of me thinks he must have some kind of mild issue with being coached, though, because here's the mm. problem. In the modern day, you know how they are with the scouting pots and Alex now. Someone has to have sat down with him a million times about the three-point shooting, mate. They have to. Yeah. Have. They have to have done it, and I just feel like their logic would be that shit of, like, you just have to accept it to fund the positives you get elsewhere in his game, you know? So I would dispute that overall he's under it. If we're doing his whole career... Maybe, maybe, maybe there aren't enough nephews saw him, but people from my era overrated him, if anything. But I do think in the modern day, he's actually criminally under it. Like, especially the salary thing, I think that is actually gross. I actually feel bad for him in that one, mate. I think how many bomb-ass players have still got the big contract now, that's gross. Like, he should definitely be on way more than that. And I actually feel sad because, like I say, it's just politics that's fucked him at the end there. Right. Honestly, if you, if you look at the people with double, the, just just flat out double the salary of Westbrook, you just straight up won't even recognize many of these names. They're like second second and a half string players they're like almost third strings and i'll even throw this out there like for me the problem he always had is why i think he had a problem with durant is i really do think he thought he was better than kevin durant or something which i just think is ridiculous <laughs> but i will say like when people hate on him for that like oklahoma super team i mean the other guys in that team were also pretty notorious for never fucking winning anything it's not like it's not like he was in that it's not like that team was durant and fucking players like that like that was like fucking carmelo and paul george like what do you want like they're all players that are gonna go down with no rings aren't they we all know that like that's just the way the basketball gods work out somehow so i don't know you know what's really sad as well i actually i'll get all right here's here's the one olive branch i'll give you about russell westbrook we would be doing this motherfucker a favor if we sent him back in time, mate. Like, the joke is, if he was in the era where you just don't shoot threes, mate, his game oh, gets yeah. way better. Like, imagine how good this guy would be in the 90s. He'd be fucking really sick. Like, <laughs> he'd be an awesome transition player. I'm sure he'd play defense when he needs to. He's fucking ferocious going to the basket. Just like, a, and got a killer instinct. Like, that's one thing I've never taken away from me. Look, I think he misapplied it, but I do, I definitely think he actually had like a really sick, intense personality. Like, if, if everyone wants to complain like I do about a lot of the modern players where the joke is, they do play their actual NBA player like it's just a fun game on my career mode in the NBA video game like lol just see that I got 30 points ah who cares anyway lol I'm getting all this money it's like at least this guy does seem like he cared he seemed like he actually was really into the game and didn't want fucking mediocrity so I'll give him that like I actually think whereas I think a lot of these stars I think would be worse in the past he'd probably be better if you go and shoot two pointers mate I think he'd actually be like I'd be like one of the better players in the whole league for sure yeah he, he does seem like a player that definitely benefited from what modern nutrition has done though like if i mean if you actually just teleported him to the 1960s the havoc that he would wreak on these teams would be unbelievable it, people would think that this guy is straight up an alien because he is so fast and can just oh, it's so just like bonkers wasn't it yeah yeah exactly i don't think people could even be this strong like he could probably win also every olympic gold medal at oh yeah by the way there's another thing mate i actually forget this myself it's funny how it's only when we're looking this shit up that you remember this if you think about his game he is listed as 6-3 what yeah, yeah like if people don't know like mate this guy if his game's like he should be like 6-7 or something his game, he could go to the fucking rim like a motherfucker mate and he's, he was so fast it's like uh, also by the way another one of those guys where like 
What's weird is this. You can even get photos of him where he almost looks thin, but mate, he is really fucking strong. His muscles look fucking like dense as shit, don't they? Like <laughs> his arms look like comical when you see like the the outline of the muscles. It's ridiculous. There was a there was a line on uh inside in NBA night or in, inside the NBA with I think it was Charles. It was Charles where basically they were looking at one of. Westbrook's fits and he had like it was very exposing I think it showed like his chest or something like that okay and what was and he Charles jacked Barkley, as fuck yeah yeah you could just see he's so jacked like he's he's got just rippling muscles right. and the sinews and everything but like with Ch Charles was like man if I look like Westbrook I wouldn't I would just walk around naked there you go, everywhere of there you go. <laughs> Charles really does have some of the best like I, I he did one that like go go away goes where he's talking about Carl Malone and he goes, even my wife likes his body or prefers his body as well. Like, like what? Like, <laughs> oh, by the way, there is one thing I have to pull your, pull your card on though. And here's the problem. My, I've figured out a while ago, Maui, the actual tactic you use when people fundamentally disagree with you is you have to really test how much they believe that. So what you use is accelerationism. So here's mm -hmm. my problem. He has the same problem in his career, in my opinion, that Steve Nash did, which is if you ever go on Steve Nash's page, if you pull it up now, right? Here's the problem. Steve Nash had the two seasons he won the MVPs, right? But here's the problem. That third season when they gave it to Dirk Nowitzki, Steve Nash had even better numbers than he had in his MVP seasons. So I always used to say to people, whoa, 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 whoa. If you give him the MVP those other two seasons and his team still won the best in the NBA, why are you giving him three in a row? By your logic, he gets three in a row now. He's even better. That's my problem with the Russell Westbrook one, Maui. It goes like this, right? When he did that season, oh, it's, the greatest, it's one of the greatest seasons ever. He has it. He did it four times, bro. So why, where are all the other... Like, I'm not... I don't see it because I thought he padded a bit, but why did... No one else did this. Everyone else said, right, you get the one. And then they went, actually, that story's a bit boring. And they collapsed it. Like, he did it like three seasons in a row. He did one another time. If, if people actually believe that was like some goated season, he's actually mega underrated by that logic, man. In fact, by that logic, no joke... If, if triple-doubles are that good, he's better than LeBron. Like, he actually should be, like, the best player of his era in some ways. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, if we're going off pure stats, the stats actually... By the way, stats-wise, he has one of the best resumes fucking ever. Like, those numbers look like he should actually be content of, like, best point guard to ever play basketball, right? I would say that, the well, the one season, it's like efficiency. Efficiency went down in the, the following seasons. He True. still got the triple-doubles, but he did it with scoring less points on worse shooting percentages or at least actually one season his shooting percentage technically did go up in terms of field goal percentage but like his three-point percentage fell okay. off a cliff like it fell off five percent and i think that's also where people started to get a little bit disillusioned with it where it did feel it was the level of hunting in those seasons felt a lot stronger because he was just kind of as opposed to scoring in the MVP season 31.6 points per game, the following season dropped down six points to 25.4, dropped down again to 22.9. So the triple-double itself is was still impressive, but I mean, obviously with news cycles, it's going to be a lot less impressive if he's just doing it every single time. And it's not, it's just like he's barely scraping it over the line as opposed to before where it was like, okay, he's doing it while like positively impacting this this team. Right, okay then. Right, here's what we'll do. I'll do like two more and then maybe we'll wrap it. You can, if you can think of another one in the meantime, you can do one, obviously. Right, I'll do one more current one, then we'll do like a historical one. So the actual current one I'm going to do is because, dude, I saw loads of people bagging on this move. Right, you know the obvious problem is 
Right, so obviously, if you, the team that everyone loves to hate on in the NBA now is the fucking Celtics, right? Because they always go really deep, but then they don't win, and then people get to just pick who you want to hate on. You can hate on Jason Tatum and just go, oh, he's not that good or whatever. Or you could just go like, fuck, why do they, what are they doing? Like, Marcus Smart, like, they should have kept it. They can do, you, can, you can do all those angles, right? When the people are debating now, I actually think this player is somehow... I think their team in general, by the way, is underrated. I think their team's so deep. Like, like I always say, I think it's a very well GM team. At the end of the day, the GM puts the players in the team. The players have to win the games. Like, if you, if the GM of the Celtics is absolutely, you've done your job the last few seasons, mate. You've killed it. One of the players I think goes under the radar is Malcolm Brogdon. This mm. player is actually slightly underrated, in my opinion, because people were talking about how, like, he can't possibly step up in this team. Like, he's overrated. He's not that good. Like, mate, this guy is a solid ass player. Like, obviously, look. With his age, he's never going to be like a star player in the NBA. But if you watch his game, he's actually just a legit player, man. He just does his job. Does his job. Shooting numbers are nice. Like, what? what is there not to like about this player? Like, this is one thing. As, a, as a, I did bring it up as a, so I could do this side rant. I'm also sick of this thing, and it is just young people who are falling into this. Like I said earlier, you've got to stop acting like the NBA is only all-stars and shitters. <laughs> There's a massive spectrum in the NBA. Do you know what I mean? Like, think of some of the people we've listed on here. We listed that nearly all of them shouldn't be the 1A option or probably shouldn't even be a top three player. They're pro it's more like they need the right type of team, but then they fit this role and then they're actually underrated at that. This is an example of someone where he's just going to be on your team, but he's just a good player, mate. Like, look what he can actually do for you. Look at the numbers he can do. Look how, f like, like how many shots he needs to do it with. Look at the percentages. Like, just a fucking solid-ass player, mate. Just an all-around game. This is a nice game yeah i would say that it's hard for me to place malcolm brogdon as somebody where community i'd say community perception is that he doesn't probably get talked about enough for what how what he satisfies in terms of role for the celtics but i, I mean i just checked up his salary for example I, I think it's pretty fair like i think he's 65th most paid so he's right above for example draymond green He's actually paid more than Mikhail Bridges. Who I'm saying is really oh, it's actually more than though. I expected. Okay, fair enough. Okay. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. With that, it's like I'll, I'll take the community. The community angle of it is for sure that he's definitely not talked about as much. He's just kind of less of a personality on the team. Everybody talks more about. Uh, well, they did talk about Marcus Smart, but they would talk about, and then obviously people still talk about Jalen Brown and and Jason Tatum. And uh, I think that he gets kind of lost in the weeds there too, especially because in a lot of ways he has kind of a similar build to Jalen Brown. And so he, if you're just kind of pitting them against each other one-to-one, -one, then Jalen Brown's just better. So, but the thing is that Malcolm Brogdon definitely more, he's not like an insane, he's a good system defender, but I wouldn't necessarily put him as like the dude that I want to clamp down on your best perimeter player or anything like that it's just that but his numbers are are really nice when i look at them the fact that he shot 44 percent from three that's astounding that's on over four attempts per game like that is incredibly valuable and he's not he's not having to be a, a taller star on your team he's just put he's just giving you those numbers on the side like i said it just makes that yes. team so deep mate yeah yeah so in the, in that sense i it's just like when i see the numbers and when i see like i feel like he's to me, properly rated, but yes, he's definitely not talked about in a way that he could be. I would be really curious to see though if, like, I don't, I don't. The thing is also when I when I think of this Celtics team, he's just not really much of a ball handler. So because it's always one of the other three people I already mentioned that were that were uh, shouldering those responsibilities, and so that's kind of another thing. It's like if I put him on another team, am I gonna get as much as 
that's why I kind of like Mikhail Bridges too, because I've seen him do some more stuff with the ball in his hands, whereas Malcolm Brogdon is a little bit more of a catch-and-shoot kind of guy and just kind of playing within the flow. And it's like, okay, yeah, if, they, if he's moving around the floor in the right type of way and he gets it, gets the ball in good position, he'll, he'll make the shot. But I'm not like purely iso creation which is probably overvalued in the nba for that matter oh, but in terms of that i just don't really i never really think about him doing that i don't actually even see it happen like the difference is i get why people fuck with marcus Smart. he's a really good player but like dude if i showed you their two stat lines i bet a lot of people would guess the wrong one i'll tell you that right mm-hmm. now mate I, I could trick a lot of motherfuckers on that one maybe not thesis obviously but i could i could get some people i'll trick i'll get someone in that sense right here's what we'll do then i've got one that's a historical one but trick it is still an active player. So we referenced this a little bit in the past, but I want to get into this a little bit. I'm actually going to say Kevin Durant, and Ooh. it's in all respects. Ooh. It's currently and historically. Right, historically, I actually think he's mega underrated, mate. Like, you know when people do this shit where they never do, like I told you, it really pisses me off. No one who's actually a LeBron fan ever starts the debate like this. Well, look at the eye test. How could you not have him top? They never start that. They always go, 20 years and number one in points scored. Or look at this. It's like, no, no, you always start with the eye test. So, like, first of all, if you start with the eye test for Kevin Durant, Mate, this is one of, like, the five most unstoppable players ever in basketball. It's just impossible. Like, the joke is, like, this is someone where he chooses to shoot less shots or he misses them. That's it. Like, you can't stop this player. Like I said in the past, for me, of the, of the like, it's why the joke is he should be a small forward, but he essentially plays shooting guard. Like, of the players who play that position, his height and his skill set make him at his position like the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar of centres. You know that story where Kareem's essentially just playing his own basketball game and no one's stopping him shot. He can just do whatever he wants. Like, it feels like that. So he just feels mega unstoppable. Then secondly... Mate, his body of work now is immense. Think how many seasons he's had now where he was a really amazing player. But no no fucker has this guy in their top 10. Have you noticed that? Nobody has this guy in their top 10 all the time. He just isn't in anyone's bro. Like, even modern-day fans, they still put, like, LeBron in, Kobe. They, this guy's off. Ne- never gets in this list. I think if you look at his body of work, he's had a phenomenal career. And I also do think, by the way, this is why I do actually, I have an incredible bias. Like on some level, I do think actually your game looking beautiful does matter. Like I actually think, because in my opinion, aesthetics come from technique. They come from the way you use your body. Like it's one of the things that people like Steph Curry and Ray Allen proved. Everyone wanted to believe in the basketball God's sort of analogy that like, oh, it's not about like, you know, your form. It's about if the shot goes in. It's like, bro, the joke is Real and Steph Curry have the best looking form and the ball goes in. Like, it's correlated, obviously, isn't it? If you have the amazing, like if people don't understand the very simple concept behind why their shot is better, it's because since it has like the perfect arc, it actually has more angles it can go in. Whereas if you remember how like Kevin Durant used to, uh, remember how Kevin Garnett used to shoot like a mid-range shot? He was good shooter, but it was a frozen rope, mate. He used to just go straight in the basket like that. So, like, that's actually not going to go in as often in doing so. So, what I would just say to get right back to it, it goes like this. This guy, I actually think, if you watched him, you just watched his play. I'm amazed he has one MVP, mate. I think that's criminal. I think this player should have, like, three MVPs or something. Like, there were seasons he was phenomenal. That's why I'm also going to say I think he's underrated now, Maui. First of all, I don't think people get this. His comeback from that injury, no one's ever done this ever. Like, you could actually, for real, believe he was never injured. That's insane for the injury he had. Remember, he had the injury that just ends your whole career, or you come back and you're just a bad player. He actually came back seemingly as good. And the only reason, in my opinion, that you don't give him, like, 
if not an MVP, like very strong consider. It's just it, he couldn't play enough games this season or whatever. Like that's it. Yeah. Like aside yeah, yeah, from yeah. that, if he could actually play eighty-two games a season, mate, this guy, I think he's just underrated. I think he's like essentially, what more could I want from an offensive player? And here's another guy like Westbrook before. If they ever chose to play defense, they're locked down, mate. They were just locked down. They just had your gear. Like people might know. This guy could really, because of his size, he could fuck up so many really sick offensive players. It's really hard to play against him. And as I say, I don't think anyone can actually defend this player. You can't. The defense on this player is that bullshit that you do against Kobe, where it's like, but I had my hand in his face. Like, they shoot with their hands in the face anyway. They, they don't <laughs> yeah. worry about that. That's their world. Like, they, the joke is they're used to shoot. They just know to, like, you know, like the, the, by the way, as a random aside, because only people who know CS will know the analogy, the real way that the great players can shoot with the hand in the face, if you don't know, it's the same concept as how it used to work in CS 1.6. The reason I can get the kill if you flashbang me is because the second you get flashbanged in your mind, you have the sort of screenshot of what they yeah. look like and you just know roughly to aim to that area of spatial awareness, isn't it? That's why the best players can just do that. Like Kobe and Durant, you can be in their face all day long, mate. They still make the shot. It doesn't even matter to them. So I, I know people are going to think I'm like reaching on this one. I actually think he is under it. Because as I said, I built the case. Like no one actually does have this guy at that all-time great, mainly because they hate on him for the Warriors move. They don't like that he did that. And so they sort of like deny him his rings and then they act like they make it sound dude the joke is they treat Kevin Durant like he's Carmelo Anthony you know what I mean like they act like he just had a good career and did nothing like this guy was fire uh, I mean it's it's purely narrative driven so it's it's purely that I, I would say the, the bus driver narrative also has really tarnished Durant's career where because he did make some poor choices with who he decided to align himself with people ended up holding that against him. And I would say that you should take some responsibility if you're led GMing, for example. And Durant more or less did that when he put together that fairly disastrous Nets team. Although, that being said, if he actually just didn't have his foot on the line in that Buck series where he oh, barely won it, yeah. Yeah, he would have won that. And who knows if they just win the championship off of that. Oh, and by the way, the whole, some of the games he was having there were, oh, that, that game was fucking unbelievable, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, even that one was just un that was insane. I mean, that was one of the best games one. I've ever seen, mate. For real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one was great. That one was fantastic. And and like with um, with Durant, I guess I guess like I couldn't put him in my top ten necessarily. And I think that like what I okay, I'll almost throw a new question at this one. Is that even though Durant won? Well, I'll give my opinion first and I'll ask yours. Like, even though Durant won those two finals MVPs over Steph in the 16 17 championships, I still have Steph higher on my all time great list. One, and, and for, for a handful of reasons, but who, do you, who would you have higher? See, that's a tough one because at the time I did think Kevin Durant was better than him. Now it's more debatable. So it's tougher. The problem is. If we're going off pure body of work, it's really close. The key thing is I do think Kevin Durant is a really good closer, in my opinion. I do think he is like a mega player. To like, I mean, he has an insane mid-range game. <laughs> and he, the, in fact, that's one of the craziest things. I don't know if there's actually any player in the NBA history with as good a mid-range and three-point shooting. Like, normally, it's usually one or the other. This guy, it's, he's just got like a both, mate. Like, he can do it all. So, like, that's why, for me, like, I actually, every time I do my top 10, I think I've put him in once or twice. He's usually like a borderline one for me. That's why I said no one else even has him ever in there, though. I do think he's phenomenal. By the way, here's the real problem. This would have to be for another episode, though, so I'll tease people. I do think... He, I don't care what anyone says. I'm for him, mate. Don't give a fuck. I think he's a better player than LeBron James over their career. 
Uh, Here's the problem. Here's how it works. Shall shall it how it works? Right, okay, Mm. so I'll give you an example. So Kenny S stopped being relevant in like, to end of 2019 or something, right? After that, it's not really yeah, relevant. Yeah. Even if he'd played more, even if he was still on team now, it wouldn't be relevant, right? The peak years of Kenny S don't mean that if, like, let me think of who the example would be. Uh, think of who's like who's like the fourth best opera in this time period, if we're thinking of players. Like Brokey? Yeah, all right. If Brokey just players at the same level bro I mean last year was a pretty good one but if bro oh, no that even last year last year Brokey wasn't as good as prime Kenny S right so if Brokey plays at that level for 10 more years does Brokey just become a better player all time than Kenny S like it's like I say at that point mm, yeah. my yeah. question is what does better mean like Everyone's going to say, but LeBron has cleared more years. It's like, yeah, but in those years, almost all those years, I would take Kevin Durant over him. So, so how does that work for me? You know what I mean? Like if LeBron plays 10 more years than Kevin Durant and has the same stats, does he become better if I would have chosen Kevin Durant each year of their careers? Almost, I mean, at the very beginning, I obviously wouldn't. But like once Kevin Durant was like 27 or something, I would have taken him immediately. Like I think he was a stud. I think he was the best player in the NBA. Mm-hmm. I would, I would. Okay, well, first of all, I take LeBron over him for sure, just because the the multitude of championships that LeBron has won for three different teams and being the best player ev- undoubtedly every single time that speaks volumes. Whereas with Durant's, like it, it's almost like this. Okay, if if basketball were a one v one game, I actually see the argument completely. But I, I would say that in some ways, until Durant played with the Warriors, I didn't really think he was a great team player. And then once he started playing with the Warriors and being coached by Steve Kerr, understanding the system, I started to see more of his the other facets of his of his game develop. Where I mean, he became a better passer. He became a more dialed in defender. Actually, became a really good under the rim defender. Like he basically was the center for them a lot of the time. So there's a lot of ways that I could argue for Durant in terms of particular skills, but in terms of overall game, there's some things where LeBron could do it though. Durant could do things LeBron couldn't do, but but LeBron has shown multiple times he can do things that Durant can't, which is get people to the finals who probably have no business being there. And I would say that Durant. He's had some pretty good teams, and then he only got he only got to the finals the one time with the Thunder that 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 one time. And I mean, beyond that, he's had a slew of teams that, and it's again, it's kind of by his own design that he just ended up choosing bad partners, like choosing Kyrie as your second hand man. And and the thing is, in a way, like LeBron was able to win a championship with Kyrie too. So he's it's almost like. With isolated variables, I've seen LeBron win championships and Durant not make the the finals itself. So I, I I'll take LeBron for I would take LeBron pretty handily. Although if you pick through like and made a chart of all these things that they both t- could do, Durant wins and actually Durant might win in more categories than LeBron in terms of just individual skill sets. Put it this way: one of the things I actually am so glad that happened is that LeBron did get the most points in history because now it just makes all his fans embarrass the fuck out of themselves and actually say stupid shit like he's the best scorer ever. Like oh, if you no, think yeah, no. like That's LeBron is a better scorer than Durant, we don't even need to have a conversation. You are just welcome to your opinion. It's cool. You can just sail bon voyage <laughs> off to the fucking yeah. off to the lands with the elves. You go. I'll just stay here on Middle Earth like a pleb and think that Kevin Durant's a way better scorer with an insane bag of everything: floaters, heads 
Does he fucking dribble like off the ball? Everything, mate. Everything. By the way, they even have the gall to tell you LeBron's a really good three-point shooter, mate. Kevin Durant would make him cry in a three-point contest. What are you talking about? He's fucking unbelievable. And then also, I'll just throw this out there. I don't give a flying fuck about the narrative you just built there because LeBron was coming from the dog shit Eastern Conference. Like Kevin Durant played the majority of his career in a mega stacked Western Conference. Mega stacked, mate. Mega stacked. So I don't care about making the finals. Give me, give me a fucking break. And then also, I point this out in the last one. LeBron had at least three finals where he just actually shit the bed and just shot a load of air balls, essentially. And then people just go, it's not his fault. It's like, did he shoot the ball or not, mate? What do you want? What do you want? Like, my favourite player win the NBA Finals with broken finger, but your player's just shooting, missing the shot, and then you're telling me he's the best scorer ever. And then lastly, on the thing, I'll just throw this out there, when Kevin Durant did play in the East, we just talked about it. He had a fucking super injured team and almost made the bloody finals with them after, like, the massive Achilles injury or whatever. So I, I think it's a bit more of a whatever. Like, I, by the way, I think actually that whole, like, LeBron James, he's in the fight. It's the shittest narrative of all time. It's one of the worst of ever of all time in my opinion, because it's irrelevant. Like, here's the problem with that, right? Right? If I show you times when really great players from the dominant conference made the finals... Even if they lose, they're beating like, you know, a 60-win team, like a team that actually could have won themselves. Have you seen some of the teams LeBron was beating those years, mate? Give me a fucking break. Like, some years it was just teams that were like, did anyone, like, would would that team have won the championship? No. If they had, would they have an all-time great? No. Like, some of these, none of these teams will ever be remembered as all-time great teams. That's why if you ever look up that list of, like, who you beat, it's not it's not great for LeBron, mate, I'm telling you. If you ever look at some of the squads he beats, he was, he was playing in the fucking little kids' table. I don't care what he says. Yeah, I would say that, well, I think back to like the Miami seasons though with LeBron and it's kind of an, a similar thing where I would say like the narrative of how stacked that roster was kind of diminished some of the greatness of what LeBron was putting forward in those seasons. And so, and it almost is like, it would have been interesting to see actually that that Miami team if they just didn't have either Dwayne Dwayne Wade or Bosh because I think that it actually would have probably to me it would have created more room for LeBron to actually it would have been fair have more yeah. It, yeah it would have been more fair and it would have also meant that LeBron would have had to shoulder more of the burden and to me I think he would have been able to do it like it's one of those things like would his play keep scaling and the thing is I think it I think it would have yeah his three point percentage wasn't great or anything like that but. That dude, when in his Miami seasons, LeBron could just score two point shots at will. Like he was, sure. he shot above sixty percent in multiple seasons for Miami from two. Like that's just that's that's absurd. That's like a center, and yet and yet he was doing that as like a small forward, power forward. So there's, like I, again, I think I think Durant is more skilled in so many different ways. But LeBron just kind of he won the genetic lottery so hard, and then toned his body, honed his body to just Achilles levels of, of speed and just being the best warrior on the planet type stuff. And so he was just at will. Like, that's why it actually at one point, some of those skip narratives were actually pretty entertaining where it was like, why doesn't LeBron just drive every play? And it's like, you're kind of right. He, he should just do it. He should, hey man, Westbrook he should have done lot. that in their prime all the time, mate, for real. Like, he essentially, really it's like, yeah. you know, this is a gamer. In video games, when you find, an, a, like, a loophole, you just abuse it all the time and win the game. Yeah. These guys, actually, it's almost like that fucked up thing where they, like, want to address specific criticisms and so they warp yeah, their game. Yeah. It's so weird, isn't it? Like, I've never understood it, mate. If someone tells me, oh, yeah. It's like if someone told, like, Michael Jordan, all you do score, it's like, well, great, I'll just have all the championship <laughs> score and you just fuck off with whoever you think's cool, you know, like, why would yeah, you ever yeah. let that bother you? But sadly, I think they do, mate. 
Like, I yeah. think LeBron really did desperately want people to believe he's a three-point shooter. I don't know why. It's not his game to me, but he, just, he has to believe it's that. I even think, for real, they did get... As much as he pretends they didn't, dude, they got in his head. They really made him believe he would be judged on making, like, buzzer beaters and stuff. Didn't you notice how, like, in the Miami onwards period, he started trying to hard take those shots. Like, he started trying to force, like, he was going to take every last shot and buzzer beat. Like, because he just... Like, he just let people get in his head. I don't know why, because like I've said on the first episode we did, he's a different player to me. He is more than the Magic Johnson character. Like you should just worry about having the overall team work, mate. Fuck, fuck them having the superhero yeah. narrative. That ain't your game, I, you know? I'm going to say, like, the way LeBron played for sometimes with Miami was... I, I think of it like this. When you ever start learning a, a fighting game, like a 2D fighter, like Street Fighter, you what happens is that if you play someone that's better than you, they're just going to abuse that thing that you do badly. So, for example, if you just keep trying to do aerials and they just keep uppercutting you over and over again, it's going to, you're, you're one, you're going to start to learn how to lightly beat it as the bad player, but also as the better player, you might also just get bored of beating them like that. And I would think that Le in some ways when LeBron was in his prime in Miami, he, it almost was like, you're, like you're saying, he just started being like, God, I'm just going to start toying with legacy narratives at this point, this early in my career. He wasn't even 30 yet. And he was already trying to just develop these other parts of his game that are just like, you don't need to do that. You, you literally can just abuse these mechanics that you've obviously become the best in the world at. And then, yeah, it, it led to inefficiencies in his game that people could pick at even more. But also it's like, man, you don't need to have the craziest bag if you're Kareem. You can just keep doing what's working for you. And I think LeBron in some ways suffered from that, even though we knew that he could score at will if he just runs at people. By He's the just, way... I will say, I actually do think that the narrative of, like, the super team element is overblown. Because I here's the thing. That was never my problem, mate. Because I actually understand how the salary cap works. That, like, one, you have to take less anyway. So it's not that often that's going to happen. You're going to get these two super teams. And then two, like... Actually, in the modern day, since scoring went up, everyone has like two or three 20, 20 point per game shooters. Like, that's just actually how the NBA mm -hmm. is now. The one that kills me that I hate, and this is something of LeBron's era and his teams, is the people who intentionally take the minimum salary just to be the ring chaser. Like, that Ray Allen one makes me sick, mate. If people don't know, Ray Allen was like still something like, I think he was like 14 or 15 points per game when he was on the previous team, and he was still like. $10 million a year, and then he just took, like, $3 million a year to come and play with LeBron and win the, that ring. And it's like, that's Ray Allen, motherfucker. Like, if people don't know, go look at the numbers. He was still a beast three-point shooter who took almost the same number of threes. He just didn't have anything else to his game. He essentially just joined LeBron's team to, like, it's like you just added a hack. Like, right, my hack is I just get, like, 40% uh, of my three-point shots made over five every game. It's like... Just that's like a little fucking just a, what's that like just, like a free fucking subsidy from the government? LeBron has to win the ring. Like that's garbage. They're the ones I hate. And then like we said, they didn't even work on the Lakers. But the ones he did on the Lakers were some of the most egregious I've ever seen. Mate, those were people were again they should have been getting like ten, fifteen million dollars. They were like Hall of Fame players, and then they're just fucking just taking fuck all to come and be like the eighth best player on the LeBron. Like, that's supposed to be a ring that there, mate. That's that's like, especially if you yeah. are this like leader of man genius. By the way, there's the one thing I will say on the one earlier. I didn't bring it up before, but I will throw this out there. That's why I, I did laugh when you said Russell Westbrook. Like, motherfucker, <laughs> didn't they just say he's like one of the 75 best players ever in the history of the yeah. basketball? Like, he has, you know, he's got, he has won an MVP as well. Like, I, I feel like people in general gave him a pretty fair shake, you know. <laughs> Overall, you know. Yeah, I agree yeah. now he's probably underrated. That's just because now people are just, like I say, it's almost like the haters have just overwhelmed the people who thought he was good or something. I don't actually know why people think he's bad. Like, he's not washed yet. 
He's got a couple of years left at least. Yeah, he could definitely play a couple more years. I don't know if he's going to be a starter always, but I mean, he showed on the Clippers already that he can be a starter and be contributing to playing decent basketball. Yeah. But anyway, the key thing is we veered into it a bit there, but like I say, I'm actually saving it for if we ever have Lopez. I've got, I've got it. Yeah, I can't reveal all my like best fucking aces and Joker cards on the LeBron one. What I like to do is I like to have the ones where. My style basically is, it's like, I'm a, if people don't know, I was a fan of the show Poirot, if people know that Agatha Christie's Poirot. And the whole point of that is you never give away who the guy is immediately, Maui Snake. You've got to sort of set them up. And if you can, the best one is when during the denouement, when you explain who the murderer is, you even sort of trap the murderer and you make him think you think someone else. So he says something and it gives it away. So I'm, I'm, I'm setting up a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh trap cards, basically. So that was just light work. That was some of my, those were throwaways right there. Some of the best LeBron ones that deconstruct the whole narrative. We'll save, we'll save those till the appropriate time.